Um, this week, um, during the elections, uh, Jonathan won this, uh, got, you know, to be trustee. <clears throat> and, and what's really extra special about that was that um, out of some things I've been sharing over the past season here of, of how we do need to show up, um, that the world is counting on us, the foundation that our whole country and constitution is to rest on is a righteous people. If that foundation is not there, then you have major corruption. Selah. So, instead of complaining about what you're seeing, realize we kind of have been as God's representatives, the, the true church, MIA. We backed off, we backed out. We said politics are dirty. They did become that. But a true position in government is not automatically dirty. It's a righteous thing, actually. All leadership that is from God is righteous. It is, it is good. Um, the, the scripture in uh, Romans 13 goes all the way to the extreme. I think this is extreme. Calls them the ministers of God. And so there's to be, honestly, the same level of righteousness and integrity in our governing leaders as we expect from our church leaders. That's, that's what it's supposed to be. Because what are we kingdom-wise with our king consciousness before the Lord is to function and oper bring kingdom principles where we walk in integrity. That honesty is important, integrity is important, that righteousness is important, that living rightly, and, and, and what is our real role? Like as here in the church, my role is to, to, to uphold the scriptures, the word of the Lord. The kingdom comes with a word and with laws and commands and statutes and precepts as our our country does with the Constitution. And so when we have righteous people that step into this position, there needs to be not a, self, uh, a selflessness in it that they're representing what is written, what is right, what is ethical. And peace will come when that rules. There will be automatic will be fairness, justice, Things will improve. There'll be a transformation in the whole community. It changes. And um, so I've been very proud that here in our township, uh, Michael Johnson has been a trustee, and he's done an amazing job since he stepped in. And Phyllis wants to add. Yeah. <laughs> How could I tell? Kurt, where'd he go? Okay. He's Kurt, 10 years ago, when he was coming to the prayer furnace, Start and I remember thinking we're not to be a part of the government. Ah, you know, Kurt started praying that people out of our church would go into government, and and it's a start. Seriously, ten years ago he prayed this prayer, and now we've got Michael and Jonathan, and um, it's like yeah, I, that is awesome. So your prayers. Your prayers do something, even though you don't think they do. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
and, and by being who we are and growing into who we are, we have this treasure of values and covenant relationships. Um, church can be hard, but the hardness is us getting over ourselves, yeah? <laughs> the difficulty is learning to live with each other and being forbearing and being forgiving and living in an imperfect place, every church is. Every, and, and what it does is conditions us for taking what we learn here, what we walk out, out there. And we, have, we should have value. We should be, if you've been letting the Lord deal with you in your life, you should walk out those doors and have wisdom that applies to for the neighbor, that will help the neighbor. You should, you should be a peacemaker in your community, in your street. You should bring a light, bring a, a, a change and transformation. And our, our mentality's been off, and we need to s- step up. We need to, to show up, and not with an agenda, with an attitude, but you bring something that the world needs. They're hungry for this. They're, they're hungry for fairness. They're hungry for care, kindness. They're hungry for the, the virtues of the kingdom. They, they really are. And their complaint is the same. And then when that stuff shows up in the church, the bad stuff, like, how disgraceful, how, how bad, when we're not any better than them. So when you get victory in your marriage, you, you become a testimony for other marriages. When you, be, when, you, when you get victory as a parent, when you work through, it's not that your things are perfect because nev- they never are. Uh, but, but when you overcome obstacles and difficulties with your children, you, be, you have a testimony and a story to help the next person that comes along. That's, that's what a community is to look like. And that's, that's um, yeah, that's what's to be normal. Get myself situated here. I um, want to, I'm not sure how to introduce this subject, but um, <clears throat> I, I'm going to share on sowing, reaping, <clears throat> tithing, giving, um, that normally precedes an offering. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the dirty motive often, the bad motive often with leaders when they start, they go here, and this isn't about the, that at all. This is, it's not about, about an offering. It's about, I, I first of all need to, I don't talk about it at all enough about giving and tithe, all these things. But I, I need to visit this because one of the things I need to do is to reinforce how valuable it is what you do, how you give as a church. Our, our little, it's just amazing what you give. It's amazing the faithfulness. And I want to make sure, I need to teach these things to make sure that you are doing it with faith and that you're receiving the reward of that and you realize what it opens up and brings in your life. And so when we, when we do that and have that, and I, I say all that, maybe it sounds silly, but it's not because I personally can have issues with some, especially the concept of sowing and reaping. Again, I got a bad taste in my mouth from a lot of the faith teachers. Phyllis will kind of lecture me sometimes, like, you know, we, we need to up our, up our thing about faith and walking in faith and look at those people. But their motives were so 
lousy and impure when they would teach on faith, which was a good teaching, but there was so much carnality in it. There was so much materialism in it. There was everything became about what they had and what they what they gained uh, materially, and it's much more than that. Giving and tithing and sowing is is much more than just uh, money. It's much more. It's it's it it applies to everything that you give, and there's a principle of sowing and reaping that we need to we need to embrace. And and here's why. This is what I guess this I can introduce this this way. I I come up to certain things. I went through this process, this wild personal process that I'll refer to once in a while, just getting to, ha- getting to this building, having this building, from uh, moving from one rented facility to another, and, you know, uh, we never quite got kicked out of any place, but we were invited to leave a few times <clears throat> in the nicest way, um, but, but we, you, you know, it's like, but it's not home, and you're like, yeah, we, we, need, to, we need to go, we know. We're nomads. We're we're wandering around this, you know, this here. And we've been to every little uh, burg and hollow from Augusta to Summitville to Hanoverton, and you know, rented buildings and whatever, you know, schools. And they definitely didn't want us around for any permanent permanency. But um, it came to we we're in the tent, and uh, as we that was amazing, you know, that was an amazing thing. But it was a, a lot of work, and it wasn't a building. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't, and here, here was the worst of it, and this is what will drive you absolutely nuts, is the, the promise for something better, the prophetic words, the hope of something better, and it feels unattainable. And then what's a poor young leader to do than to try to figure out how to get from here to there, which I did ceaselessly because I stand at my back door and look out here and look at, you know, stuff. And once we got a word that we would have a building, there was a real, like, thing that happened after we did a tent meeting out front here where, I mean, it was, like, pretty pretty amazing. Like, we took our shoes off. We, like, felt like we were on holy ground out there after, a, 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 after our first tent meeting. And uh, it was just a sovereign thing. Like, how can you, it seems silly now, but man, I'll tell you what, when you were there, if you were there, it was like, whoa, something, something's here. And people actually, there were a couple people, like there was a real confirmation that there would be a building up here on the top of this hill, which was, it's cut away now, it was more of a hill. All I could do, which was actually the best thing to do, because there wasn't anything else to do, and and I'll, precede, and I'll say this. This was the sewing part, and you do these things. We gave our little bit of a building fund money that we had that was, I think, $12,000, if I remember. Gave it away to the, our children's home, the children's home that we were watching over in uh, India. Gave the whole amount as a seed to our building. I was like, oh, there, okay. Now what? It'd be nice if it showed up the next year like sow the seed and boop, up it came you know i like when i plant my garden you want to see that just popping up within a week or so you know i watch for the corn and the beans and things to pop up and you know that seed you give you 
bury that seed in the garden, that seed is like it germinates and pops up, but it's, it will be no more, okay? It's buried. Buried is buried. Sowing is bearing, is letting go, putting it in the dirt, and it will not be anymore. And the hope and promise that it will become something that multiplies what it was. I remember teaching on this, like it's only been a few times through the, all, all of my ministry. Took a kernel of corn, and I actually went through the pain of counting the kernels on an ear of corn, like we have corn here. And I think there were like 490 kernels on a cob of corn. Has anybody else taken the time to actually count them? Like, yeah. Anyways, you do silly things sometimes. But it made for a great illustration. And I, I think we were meeting in the um, uh, Summitville in the little gymnasium in the in the old school there, and I remember showing this illustration and I had even the kids emptying their piggy banks because all of a sudden a penny had value you know one penny turns into 490 or something you know like like oh yeah I want in on this and they were there was a but it was a good thing because they had this concept if I sow a seed I get a harvest from it which the Lord wants us to look at this this way it's a principle of the kingdom this reap sowing and harvesting and so um, it's still been hard. I want to pay for things. I want to figure out how to earn something. I want to figure out how to do it. And so as we were waiting on our building, I came up with all kinds of schemes and ways uh, to get money. All of them failed. I'm feeling like somebody in heaven was watching going, oh, oh look, look, look at this. Like, you know, it's like, oh, Lord, he's not, you know. Like, isn't he cute, though? You know, he's, you know. And none of it came to any fruition. Of course, it wouldn't and it couldn't. Now, other guys can do that stuff. And, and they, you know, they move on. They go on. Me, I, I could never do any of those things. Like, it always just flatlined. I had to truly just wait on the promise. Just kill me now. We'll work for it. I mean, the, the thoughts of how to make something happen were endless. Like, that was my constant fight. Shut it down. Don't do that. Don't do that. So, through the years, I've heard teaching, and, and all, you don't even realize what you've heard, and you listen, and, I, and Bill Johnson's been such, so amazing about how he, how he sows and tithes and gives and it's like, wow, you know, and the percentage and how, how much they give. And just like, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm doing good even close, coming close to 10%, let alone any, something beyond that. Like, how do you do that, you know? And so different things to give to. And I always, like, there was a, I'm, I give, I like to give, I believe in giving, but there's limitations to it. And then when it comes to something I want, uh, I struggled with, sowing for it like I wanted to figure out a way to get it rather than sow for it and I bumped up on against this thing a couple times and I hope I'm not the only one there's something you, you feel is the way you should do it but you really like no don't make me do that anybody else have those conversations with the Lord no 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 you're like no not that don't make me do that don't make it me do it that way so something came up recently that, that was a need that was beyond what I could just pay for. And uh, it has to do with the church, but I only want to talk about it because 
as I wrestled with it, I, the Lord took me through a process. And sometimes you've received teaching and you don't realize that it's still in there. And all of a sudden, something activates it and it comes back. And you almost feel like it's profound. You're like, oh, oh, oh my gosh. I remember learning this a long time ago. Did I put it in action? Probably not. Maybe not. Maybe a little bit. And all of a sudden, I realized that what I needed was the seed to sow for the thing and the things that I wanted. And that that, because everything else I thought of, I had this um, block. Is anybody else, you come up with something and you know, your wife doesn't have to tell you no. You just know that's a no. What am I, I can't do, you know. You feel that resistance like, and I was feeling that with how to figure out how to do this. And I'm like, do I go here? Do I go there? Do I ask? Do I, you know, do I raise funds? Do I, you know, how do I get from here to there? And I came to this point in prayer early one morning. What I need to ask the Lord for is seed to sow for this. This is what he wants me to do. This was the green light and everything else was, you know, I was getting resisted by a spirit named Yahweh. So don't push up against that one. There are other ones you can take authority over. Don't, don't try that one. That's the big one. That's the big spirit. That's the God spirit. That's the, it's me. Don't, don't push on me. You're like, you're not going anywhere. And I was like, Wow, and I, I got a, a couple people, like it was just, a, and I had a couple people that like, yeah, we'll agree with you. Like, we'll agree that, that this, so I'm waiting on that, and I realize, and it caused me to start searching and, and studying some things because I wanted to go back and l- look at the tithe, because if you ask 10 Christians what they feel about tithing, you'll get... 10 different answers. And if, but here's what's funny. You ask 10 church leaders what they feel about tithing and then what they feel if should the church tithe, you know, you'll get 15 different answers. Like I've asked, it's funny how all over the board this issue of tithing is. It's like, whoa, it's kind of wild. So I just took time. I start. I go back and I start reading. And, I, and so go with me. This is an interesting find. Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to look at the first time this shows up. And interestingly or not, it's, it's not a law. It's not a command. Israel didn't even exist yet. Like this was Abram. He hadn't even gotten his new name yet. He hadn't even become Abraham yet. But he was called, and he was born, and, and it starts, you show, it shows up, and maybe even a little, I don't want to get too much into the weeds with this issue, but the other thing that's very unique about Abraham is what happened right before. And what happened right before was the Tower of Babel. And at the Tower of Babel, the whole purpose of the Tower of Babel was the people of the earth gathering together. And remember, we sometimes think like, oh, this is, you know, 
The gospel, how's, how are people supposed to know and how are they supposed to be accountable to know about the gospel and, and know the word? And, you know, could God do that to people? How would they ever hear? Well, you have to understand something. Like, everybody has a common ancestor named Adam. I'll tell you who else every, every person on the planet has in common as ancestry-wise. Guess who that is? Noah. Everything goes back to Adam, and everybody has it come through Noah, because that was the fam- that was the only family left after the flood, right? So we're all connected to that. Like we come through those two things. After the flood, that people who had come out of the lineage of Noah, it didn't take long, and all of a sudden they want to build a tower. They want to build an access to heaven. Call the Tower of Babel, and it's like, oh, what was the big deal? Like, you, you know, you can only go so high. And we go high, and, you know, we're no closer to God in an airplane than you are here on the earth. Although flying an airplane can really make people pray. I met a little girl this, we met a little girl this, this week at, you know, at a furniture store, confessing, you know, she, was, she, she repented because she was afraid as she flew, and da-da-da-da-da, and we had a good talk with her. Anyways, like, I'm afraid, and I might die, so I'm going to get right with God. That's always a good idea, yeah, sure. So, this event of the Tower of Babel was bigger than a Sunday school story because in this, there was a, on purpose, the people wanted to make a name for themselves. They were doing this on purpose, independently of God. So the Lord confuses their language, but also if you go to Deuteronomy and look at this story, there was a, this was a point where God's like, I'm done with these people. There was a disinheriting. Now, he can't walk that out very long. He's God. He's mushy. He's merciful. He ends up, he's still going to try to save the whole planet, and, and he will. He still goes after people and all people groups. But there was a real separation at this point and he makes this, God declares this, I'm going to have a people of my own. Enter Abram. So the Lord scatters all of them across the face of the earth. And then a man named Terah has three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran died, but his son was Lot. Have you ever heard of Lot? Lot in you know, that special place called Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, that lot. That was Abram's nephew. Those two people, those two men leave. It says Abram and Nahor, this is one of Abram's brothers. They took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Micah. And in verse 30 it says, but Sarai was barren. She had no child. So that's extremely significant, especially for people in this era, in this time. And we can have great anxiety even among our young couples when they want to get pregnant, cannot. That, it, it starts. Well, in these times, it was major, major shameful to not be able to conceive. Like, that was like one of the worst things you want to happen to you, right? We, we know that from history. Like, that was not a good thing. So it was a stigma. It was a thing you wore. Oh, and where are your children? Oh, we haven't had any. So 
everything reflected like your favor with God was directly related to whether you had children or not, had an heir that you could pass down. So it begins, and the Lord comes to Abram. He's like, the Lord said, I pick you. I want you to be the father of my new nation. And in, verse, in chapter 12 and verse 1, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. We're going to start fresh. To a land that I will show you, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a good word from the Lord. We can live with that. I'm with you. I choose you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you so much that if anybody else that doesn't bless you is in trouble, I'm going to watch over you. So they leave, they go, it's a lot of things that happen. And in chapter 13, verse 2, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So that's also significant. Barren, but he was very rich because the Lord said he's going to bless him, and he really blessed him a lot. And he blessed Lot a lot. So much so that when they tried to live in the same territory together, they're like, oh, there's herdsmen started fighting each other over the watering hole, whatever. You know, it's like they, there were so many, they had so many cattle, so many servants, so many things together. They're like, we got to separate, just like we don't want to fight. Let's separate. Lot, you pick where you want to go, and I'll go the other direction. So that happens with Abram, Abram and Lot. And... Uh, it says in, later in this chapter, and Abram called on the name of the Lord, and, and he gets settled, and we'll skip down through. And there's a mention of the men of Sodom, Sodom being very wicked and sinful. It goes on, and we get to chapter 14, and it's something I read over, but I didn't pay attention. There was a war between five kings and four kings. So... Kings coming together. I don't know how many people were with each king or how big their kingdoms were, but there were four kings, five kings they were against. And, and the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah were two of the kings that were, that were fighting. And there's this man named, I can't, well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll abbreviate his name, Ched. Ched something, blah, 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 that I can't pronounce, from Elam, okay? He, he came and he captured... He took all the possessions and he captured, along with what he captured, he took Lot and he took people, took Lot and his family and all of his possessions. And when that happened, someone comes, runs to Abraham and says, hey, they just captured your nephew, Lot. Abram wasn't in this battle before and I had missed this, just kind of read over it. He's engaged, he's in. He takes with him 318 trained servants. So he's wealthy. He has, uh, he, has, uh, he has stuff. He has things. He has resources. He takes them. And I totally didn't see this about Abraham. He goes after the things that have been stolen, the people that have been stolen, and the goods that have been stolen from this Ched, whatever his name is, Lolomar or something like that. 
And he overtakes him, conquers him, and gets all their stuff back. Comes back to the kings of Gomorrah and Sodom, like, we're like, and brings back all the stuff because Lot happened to be living there. So he has Lot, he, has, he brings his wives, he's like, he gets everything back, brings them back. And the king of, and, and right after that, this is what we're getting to, is that a priest, a king named Melchizedek shows up out of the clear blue mystery king, mystery guy. And it says in verse 18 of chapter 14, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gives him a tenth of all that he had. So that's why it's significant. He was very wealthy. He had a lot of stuff. He gives him a tenth. This is not a law. There's, it doesn't show up till this moment. He gives him a tenth of all that he has in, in response, in honor to Melchizedek coming and giving him a blessing. Now, God has blessed him. And Abraham has everything a man could ever dream of except for one thing that mattered maybe more than anything else, he had no heir. He had no, and, and that was a big deal. It was like to be barren, to not have that. He did not have that. So he gets blessed, and then an interesting things happens. The king of Sodom says, hey, I'll take back the people, you can keep the stuff. And Abram has a really funny response to that. He more or less said, drop dead. I'm not <laughs> taking anything from you, lest you say you made Abram rich. Interesting, huh? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not giving me anything. I don't need anything from you, and you're not giving me anything. Because there is something else higher at stake here that I'm protecting I don't need your stuff. Don't, don't give that. And this ends up, this is the king of Sodom, who later had the issue with that, you know, sulfur, brimstone, fire that came down. Yeah. So Abram continues, and um, in verse chapter, 10, chapter 15, it says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. So right after all that, the Lord comes and talks to Abram. And immediately, like he has given his tithe to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is referenced then again in the New Testament. It says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. I am. But Abram said, Lord God. This is like the story with Gideon. Like, hey, I know. You called me a mighty, valiant warrior. Where's the God of Israel? Like, we're getting beat up by these Midianites. We're getting robbed, stolen. I'm here in the wine press threshing wheat. Like, I went through all this. It's like, it's an injustice. He was... He was aggravated about that Gideon was and Abram says the same thing like Lord God what will you give me seeing I go childless like 
that's everything and I don't have that. And he's like, Abram's like, here we go with this thinking again. I got it. My heir will be Eleazar of Damascus. He's like the heir of my house. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Like, eh, no, wrong, wrong answer. That, that's not your heir. I know you're thinking. I know you're trying to figure out. I know you're trying to make this work, this promise of mine work. You don't need to help me. I'm going to do it. Just just, just believe. He shows up in Romans chapter 4. Abram does. By then, the name is changed to Abraham. As the father of what? Faith. Why? Because he believed God and it was given to him as righteousness. It was imputed to him as righteousness. Because he, through all of this stuff, trying things, doing things, trying to figure out, there was an Ishmael that came into the scene in there. Now, back to this tithe and this giving. And this is why I want to teach on this, because you have to, I want you to understand the full impact of what your giving does, what your sowing does. And you can have this argument about the tithe, it did become law in Leviticus because the Lord's trying to teach his people. Like, your children, you give them rules and laws so that when they become an adult, they don't have to be told what to do. So it was eventually, but initially it was not. Whether Abraham realized this or not, this is what I want you to really hear. Whether he realized it or not, he sowed by tithing to Melchizedek. He sowed into something. He sowed into his, what was coming behind him. See, this humongous prophetic word that his children were going to be as many as the sands of the sea. And as I looked at that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is where I am. I'm at a moment in my life, and even the church, like, we're, we're making it, we're surviving, we have things, we're paying our bills, we're, but, th- but I want more. It's time to stand in a place where I, where I sow a seed into my hair, my inheritance, like who's coming behind me, what's coming behind me. That it's not enough to just survive, but I, I, need, I need all the things that aren't. Like we have this, we have that, we have people, but there is so much that isn't yet. Like my vision's bigger than that. You either resign yourself to that old song if that's all there is if that's all there is then let's keep dancing you know like that depressing hippie song Kathy knows you know the song does yeah yeah I don't even know who sang it doesn't matter she's probably high on you know whatever high low something If you don't go guard over your heart, you'll start hedging your bets and you'll start just withdrawing and you won't invest anymore and you won't. It's like, I don't want to do that. I have dreams. I envision things. There are still people that need to come. I, I want the seats filled. I want 
the impact to happen. I want the prophetic words to be fulfilled. And I have no ability whatsoever to make anything happen. I know I don't. That I know. This I know. Jesus loves me. This I know. And this I also know. I don't have the ability to do that. Thus, it brings me back to this place where I have to trust in this thing that I'm reluctant to, to sow seed, having no ability to make anything change or happen for the visions, the dreams, the words that everything behind me is going to be supplied, will have for that vision that goes beyond, to get beyond, to be more. To be a, a I, I want our church to be a resource church. I don't want us to just be a church on Bethesda Road that survives. My vision is way, way, way more. I know the need is there. It's, it's like we're in this weird place. Like there's a blockage even to the needs to access that. As I've talked to different people that are like, I talked to Pam Apiza. I talked like, do you have access to this? Like, no, it's like cut off. It's weird. It's there, but, it, but I, I don't know how to get to it. And so I want to sow. I'm praying for the Lord to bring seed, bring me seed for sowing. So I'm not going to belabor this, I'm, but I am going to talk about this for a few weeks because there's so much here and it applies to so many things. And, and there, you give so faithfully. It's If you looked at our attendance and you looked at our you're like where's all this come from I don't know you know and I don't know I don't I don't want to know Lacey takes care of that I don't know but I I do see the big numbers like I see the numbers and we're up we're down we're whatever but it's still an amazing amount like it's the faithfulness like wow it's crazy you go how do we do this I don't know <laughs> I'm not sure how that happens but I want to be faithful to it, and I don't want to just resort to my figuring out how to kick my way out of the brown paper bag. I want to release the abundance, and I want to, and I know there's other vision, more vision here that we, we break through, break out, and get beyond so there are signs of that happening, and it's important for us to, to believe and to know this, so that when you do, when you give, it doesn't matter whether you call it sowing or whether you call it tithing, or what, but, but there is this thing that, that we, we value and that we do it in faith. Let me close with this verse, very convicting, Romans chapter 14, I think, 23. As it is with all things, it's easy to get to a place where you're just going through the motions or you just do something because you should. It's important in our walk with the Lord that we 
do things out of faith that we, we believe. We believe in God. We believe that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. That we don't seek him out of a religious duty. That we seek him, that we serve him, that we obey him, that we do what we do because we believe he rewards that. He responds to it. He reciprocates us giving. And, and in uh, verse 23, it says, um, he who doubts is condemned if he eats. And this had to do about uh, about what you could eat and what you couldn't eat, et cetera, et cetera. It gets to the end. It says, because, um, it says, for whatever, the last line of it is, for whatever is, from, is not from faith is sin. I've used that scripture a thousand times when people, I'm like, whatever's not from faith is sin. You're like, whoa, yeah. That kind of cuts really deep into the religious spirit, doesn't it? Like, Whatever you do in word or deed, you need to do it with faith. And if you have dis- you're having a discussion with yourself about tithing or giving and how much and whatever, you've already missed the point. This is an opportunity that God gives us and shows us, do this, and this is how you... One of the faith guys, it might have been Jesse DePlanis, says... I don't, I don't pay for what I get. I give for what I get. And there's, yeah, there's been a lot of abuses in the faith people, but there are a lot of phenomenal people too. Marilyn Hickey and Jesse Duplantis and Kenneth Copeland and, and different ones. And, and the things that they have, like what they've accomplished. And, and uh, I'm trying to remember where there's, I'm going to read one more scripture because I don't want to leave this hanging in the air. And it's another passage where we're going to look at second. um, Let me get to this. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter nine. And it is in, I'm still in first Corinthians. Nine, ten. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So have you ever thought about sowing seed into increasing the fruits of your righteousness? This is more than just stuff, isn't it? Like that's what I want. I want the righteousness, the the effects of ministry, the La, the what's following be trailing behind me, the uh, the wake, the what is caused behind me as I go forward, that the fruitfulness of that is increased. And you, this scripture clearly, this verse clearly indicates you give, you give into that. And and in this giving, the widow's might is the gold ticket. Because whatever is given in faith and what's given in sincerity, it's not about what the amount. It's about what's between you and the Lord. But, but, but sowing, you can sow into relationships. So it's not always stuff and things. You can sow into, into things that you want, like relationally and friendship-wise and in the community. Sow to the neighbor. Do you, do you want to sow into the rich guy down the road? 
because nobody gives them anything without an agenda. They can be very lonely people, and no one just, hey, I want to bless you with something. Do you understand they enjoy gifts just like anybody else, but we're like, ah, they don't need it. They need cared about, and their money just gets them a lot of friends that need things and want things. So there's a principle here. I want to take some time. Let's, let's go after this because we love to give. And I don't know if I ever said how much we raised for Robbie Dawkins. You told me, and I didn't get it announced. Was it? I was going to look that up, Lace. It was really cool. We just had one Sunday, and that was for Afghanistan. I'm not going to guess. I have a number in my mind, but I... Yeah. Yeah, it was 2000. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought that that's what it was. So that was just like show up on Sunday morning, hey, we're going to raise money for Afghanistan, and boom. Like, so... You're givers, like you give, you sow. When in that, let's, there's a, let's just believe, just take it one little step further and realize you sowed seed that will cause an increase to the righteousness that's following you. Like your good, your testimony, the good things, the kindness that you do, like you want that to prosper, you want that to blossom, you want that to have an effect. Yeah, so, amen, too cool. At a Sunday morning's notice, yeah, whatever that is, a moment's notice, we do this. I discovered a new psalm. They must have just put this in. just found it this morning. (laughs) How stupid, okay, how silly. But I want to pray over you today in closing. So just receive this. It is just delicious. It's so, so neat. This is Psalms 112 out of the Passion Translation. Shout in celebration of praise to the Lord. Everyone who loves the Lord and delights in him will cherish his words and be blessed beyond expectation. Their descendants will be prosperous and influential. Every generation of the godly lovers will experience his favor. Great blessing and wealth fills the house of the wise, for their integrity endures forever. Even if darkness overtakes them, sunrise brilliance will come bursting through because they are gracious to others so tender and true. Life is good for the one who is generous and charitable. Conducting affairs with honesty and truth. Their circumstances will never shake them, and others will never forget their example. They will not live in fear or dread of what may come. I think that's an appropriate word right now. Like, don't live in fear or dread. With great confidence, I tell people, like, no matter where you go, if there's any sense at all about end times, they're like, is this the end? Is this it? I said, on, listen, honestly. I know it looks like it. I know there are a lot of earmarks. It's like that, but I don't believe this is it. There's too much to do. 
Too many unfulfilled promises. It's not time to leave the planet. I'm like 110% sure of that. I'm ready to go. I'm good with Jesus. But I'm telling you, this isn't that. As much as it looks like, there's another scenario playing in the background that's going to come forth at some moment very soon. So that's all, I, that's all I need to say about that. Like, don't bite into it. I know it feels weird. It's hard to fight off the darkness and the depression. That's why in this, this worship in this song this morning, like, yeah, declare an end to the darkness. Like, break through the darkness. They will not live in fear, dread, or dread of what may come. For their hearts are firm, every secure, every, ever secure in their faith, steady and strong. They will not be afraid, but will calmly face their every foe until they all go down in defeat. Never stingy, always generous to those in need. Their lives of influence and honor will never be forgotten, for they, will, they were full of good deeds. But the wicked take one look at a life lived like this, and they grit their teeth in anger, not understanding their bliss. The wicked slink away, speechless in the darkness that falls, where hope dies and all their dreams fade away to nothing, nothing at all. We're the ones that have the substance of hope and our hope rests in us obeying the Lord and honoring him and being generous and sowing and, and being kind, like this genuine call of Jesus in our life to be who he wants us to be. There is a great reward to that. There's something that follows it. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask today that you bless every household and the givers that are here, Father. And I ask that you'll add increase to the harvest as they sow, <coughs> excuse me, as they sow good deeds, as they sow kindness, as they sow integrity, as they choose to walk after you and after your ways. Lord, bring a blessing. And Lord, we, tr we trust in you, and I know that you want to make yourself famous in all of our lives so that we have a story, that we have a testimony, Father, because that story, that testimony incites faith in the unbelieving. So we thank you for your kindness and your goodness and all of your provision. Keep us in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.